What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. I'm Keith Finch. And I'm Jack. And uh, today we are talking about uh, how there's really never been, we've done this with pistols before, we're going to talk about how there's never been a better time to buy a 5.56 rifle brought to you by uh, the these people. All of them. Look at them. Just look at them all. Do you guys remember the, what was it? I forget it was, which cartoon it was, but it was like, after these messages... We'll be, we'll right, be right back. back. Yeah. One, that was before mine and Keith's time. That was a thing from the 70s. L- listen, that was also <laughs> in the 80s because I didn't exist in the 70s. So it had to have happened at least <laughs> semi-regularly. I'm in... pretty sure it's Schoolhouse Rock. No, God damn it! Now I'm going to have to look that up. Uh, but I think of that every they, time. They did carry on that theme well into the 90s, though. Where... Yeah. Right so I, I, I do want to talk about our, our last thing first which was our last episode uh several people reached out to me and were literally fives of people reached out and were like we enjoy the movie review process so the good news is guys when we can't think of more shows we could just review gun movies yeah yes Yeah, that's, I mean, that's always on the table. Uh, I do want to just update everyone. I still have not watched Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I had an opportunity this past... Um, Boo this man! This past weekend, I was out with one of my friends and we were leaving the Mall of America and she was like, do you want to go see a movie? And I'm like, what's out? She's like, Top Gun Maverick. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> it's a Boo this man. Look, the minute it hits Paramount plus or you know whatever streaming service it's going to go to i'll pay actual american cash money to watch it but i just eh, no i'm not going to the theater guys sorry that's not my vibe anymore um but your episode was very popular especially with our two favorite listeners who always leave shitty comments so you know (laughs) excellent the best part is when you guys were out a couple of weeks ago and i did the episode with annette at the very end of it, I dedicated it to them, and they left their usual shitty comments and had no idea that I had dragged them at the end of that episode, which just gave me, like, real joy. Um, so anyway, speaking of dragging people, that's not what we're doing today. So, Keith, why don't you lead us into this discussion about how it's the best time ever to buy a AR-15 slash 5.56 rifle? And we're going to extend that envelope, as you said, to a majority of 5.56 rifles. And you can go outside that caliber too, but it's really it's really never been a better time to buy these rifles because Jack, we all remember not that many years ago when there was the standard for AR-15s was just Colt. It was the 6920 and then like, if you were poor, you bought the Bushmaster. And if you were Gucci, you still bought the 6920. You just got cooler things on your 6920 for reasons. Do you guys so you remember maybe you bought the 6940 and it's 2010? Do you guys remember when that dildo yellow visor guy put out his list? Like oh my the... god. Oh my god, I thought I would never have to hear about that thing again. Oh. <laughs> but it's here's, back. Here's, hold on. Let, let, let's just save a million content creators a lot of trouble. I don't give a shit about your list video. I don't give a shit about your list post. I've never given a shit about it. I thought they are the ultimate waste of time. It is one person's just like opinion. 
mm-hmm. on a bunch of stuff. And that yellow visor list haunted us for 10 years. Oh my God. It really was the worst. And I mean, Rob Slur was also the worst. So I know we said we weren't going to drag anybody, but apparently we're worth, dragging. He's, he's like, worth dragging. Exception. Exception. Asterisk. No, but it's asterisk like, on our uh, not dragging anybody. I, I don't actually know him as a person, but I, I hate him personally for that list because of all of the problems that list caused where people would assume that it was like this, you know, high order gospel thing. And if you weren't buying an HK or a Daniel Defense or a Colt, then you were buying trash. When the actual truth of it, as we're here in this episode discussing, most rifles are fine. I yeah. mean, most rifles that you pick up nowadays are going to work a okay, just fine. Now, do you have an extreme use case like you're jumping out of a helicopter with a bayonet in your teeth? You might want to narrow your field down. Are you going to go shoot? three gun you might want to near like at a high level because if you just because here's the thing i talk about competition all the time and i'm like if you want to go shoot three gun if you want to go shoot three gun with a 16 inch m4 that's got a, an aim point comp m4 optic on it you'll be fine right you, if you, you want to not... win that now we're talking about something else so there is i think there's kind of a drive to get back to more practical ar usage mm-hmm. in competitive shooting and i I kind of agree with it. Like, I get the idea. Three gun is its own sport. Yeah. And anytime you do three gun, I think it's, I, I think you need to accept the fact that it's not the best way to sport shoot an AR 15. If you want to, if you want to like actually see what like fighting with your rifle looks like, go get a PCC and a, I believe a 22 conversion kit counts. Does it? For IDPA or IPSC? No, you got to shoot nine mil. Okay, I build one of those. I, I give you full permission to build a PCC without my judgment on it, um, and shoot that because that's conversational distance shooting with more or less the same ideas and principles behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I actually agree with that. Like, if I had somebody who was gonna go like spool up, so I actually had uh, I actually did this, I was going to spool up for deployment and understanding that my rifle skills weren't quite what I wanted them to be. I shot a bunch of PCC not because I'm trying to do tactics and practice clearing rooms, but so I can move with the rifle better in a close environment, right? Like Mm -hmm. I've got walls and things to move the gun around and all kinds of shit. If you you want to see how well you can... That's a great place where the gamesmanship the uh, IDPA or USPSA or three gun, it's not tactical in any way. It is a game, but it will present you a problem you have to solve with a gun in your hand and move around with a gun. That's a good way to learn to do that. I think it's if you want to if you want to do three gun, what you're doing is a sport that is very dedicated to the highest ends of rifle, pistol, shotgun. Mm-hmm. It is. And I, I hear three gun people like all the time, like, no, bring your M4 out, bring your 870 out. You can do that. And you don't have to win matches to get something out of them. I've never won a match. I think the best I've ever done is second in my division. Um, And I, I was, I think it was because the people who were better than me, like all didn't show up. Um, and the one guy that was better than me, I think he was confused, thought he was someplace else. Like I just realized that sitting next to me, I have the ultimate Chad three gun rig. So I have 
the Browning High Power was Jesus. I can't keep calling this Browning High Power because it's a Springfield Armory and High Power. Is, <laughs> no, but here's the thing: and and High Power is nowhere in their branding for it because someone else owns those words. You know, they can't call it a High Power because that's can't the thing call that it, What do they call it? SA thirty five. Let's say 35. Yeah. So, exactly. Go up essay. So I got SA 35. I have the chattiest of Chad shotguns, the war crime stick. The old war crime stick. And I have the only 556 rifle in my house, which is a bolt action Ruger American that you know takes uh stand egg mags. So you know I could theoretically if, if, if you were being sent back in time, that's a great rig. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, like if I needed to go kill people and, in like 1955. Not too tremendously far in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, honestly, like, you know, but okay, so back to the 5.56 rifles thing. And this is kind of the point is it really is a great time. Like if you want a rifle that has a high probability of working, you know, they're, they're, we used to have this sort of magical, like you're going to need to spend $1,000 in our head about these guns. That's not true anymore. What's a M&P 15 cost? You guys talk, like, I'm going to find out. It's like seven hundred dollars, yeah, like seven hundred, eight hundred. And you can get a you can get a really nice rifle. You can start getting into a really nice rifle with none of the Gucci upgrades that we love on the internal side, but a nicely put together rifle. You can start touching for eight hundred dollars, eight hundred. Yeah, you can. You can definitely get a five five six loaded barrels that have all M lock on it that have basic ambidextrous controls. Right. Like... Um, they start putting those things on it, and then. What we what we start stacking dollars into are the named like really nice parts because a Geisley trigger is three hundred dollars. All right, I... let's let's do this, guys. So here's what's about to happen. I am on uh, a I don't know. If, I know we don't have partners. We're not a partner with these guys, so I'm not going to say their name. But I'm on a website that retails firearms. All right, I have sorted by in stock. Uh, and caliber, I have sorted for 556, 223 Remington, and 223 Wild. And then I have sorted by ascending price. Like, so we're looking at the cheapest guns first. Uh, it's the American Tactical Imports. I think that would probably be the one we would all recommend avoiding. And that's yeah. under $500. Then we get into some Deltons for the mid five six, you know, mid 500s. I've always wanted to mess around with those kits and just see what's hit or miss about mm -hmm. them. So I have, believe it or not, I have a Delton upper bolt carrier group and everything that I found at my local gun store that was in a pile of parts. And they had a price tag on it that was like, I was like, I won't pay that, but I will pay you $100 for that right now. They're mm -hmm. like, sold! <laughs> like, get it out of here! And I took it home, I popped it out, um, and this guy, it, I wanted it because it had a pencil barrel. I was like, if I just get the pencil barrel out of this, this is fine for me. And the guy had spray painted it, but the upper didn't have a dust cover. So he had spray painted his bolt carrier group also. Oh, that's Hell great because yes. those little holes aren't important on the back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I had to clean that up. But I was looking at the bolt carrier group because I'm cleaning it and like getting, figuring out what I can salvage off. I'm like, this thing has staked it's good it's decent i put it in another upper and it ran fine it's an m16 full auto upper you know full auto bolt carrier group so i found on this uh website the cheapest gun that i would 
that I am reasonably convinced that you have like, I'll put a number on it, an 80% chance of walking into the store, buying it, putting a decent optic on it, and it will shoot for longer than the lifetime, for longer than you could possibly try to wear it out if you're not shooting at like an extremely crazy rate. And we have a Smith & Wesson M&P 15 Sport 2 optics ready for $679.99. There you uh, go. You could take a chance uh, under that. There were some Diamondback DB-15s. I'm actually really curious about the DB-15 as a gun because I I don't, like, I, I know the absolutely fuck all about I've seen on the 15, and here's where we're getting into the weeds, where I think the 9mm uh, realm, the 9mm striker-fired pistol realm, or the 9mm pistol realm in general, has progressed further than the 5.56 realm, but we're getting close. Mm-hmm. Um, there's still more on the bottom end in the 5.56 caliber that if you buy the absolute like cheapest thing you can find, you're still at risk for running into problems. Mm-hmm. But you could also get a gun that runs just fine that you could put 300, 500, 1,000 rounds through um, as long as you lubricate the thing and it's going to keep <clears> cycling <throat> and, and do its thing. Or if you know what you're looking for, which is what I'll get into with the M&P, is the M&Ps are hit and miss. I've seen some M&Ps with some problems. Um, but the M&Ps that hit generally run just fine. Just keep the bolt carrier lube the way you need to, and it will run just fine. Or you can get the M&P for under $700, and you can do a couple of very easy spot upgrades to it, which uh, I generally do a heavier buffer right away because they use a commercial grade buffer which is too light and then taking out the i don't even know if they do them any but check taking out the injection molded steel trigger and putting in a red, regular uh mil spec trigger uh pack which is like 30 dollars. you can find them for 30 35 for regular steel not the uh the metal injection molded steel that they were using for a while because that's the that's the part I've seen actually break the most on the M&Ps are the hammers because they're metal injection molded instead of forged steel because huh. it was another cost save. They could cut another $10 off the rifle or something like that. And it was one where it would generally run long enough and for enough rounds that no one would ever run into a problem with it. It's also a really cheap thing to fix if you did because you right, can even or... get into a really good trigger for like $60. So for an extra 90 bucks on top of the 670 or whatever you spent on the M&P Sport 2, you fix the two things that I find the most issues with, the buffer and the trigger, and you're done. Or you can spend another $150 and get one of the uh, Ruger AR-556s, which are also going to be fine. Yeah. So lineup is good. Yeah. So because I'm scrolling this right now, right? And like, I haven't even cracked $1,000 yet. And mm-hmm. I'm into, you know, uh, featureless Colts, the the nicer Smith & Wesson, the volunteer guns, mm-hmm. um, the Springfield Saints, you know. And again, I haven't even cracked a G yet. And we're seeing I, really I decent guns. I always say, and it's people who will, will say, well, you're biased. You work with IWI all the time. I am biased. I like IWI. But I think IWI has one of the best examples of like, you do not have to spend a ton of money to get a good AR-15 with their Z-15 because it's a good melanite treated barrel, 16 inch, uh, one in eight twist, wild chamber. uh, And it MSRPs at $900. It's 899. 
and it's free floated, ready to go, uh, B5 furniture on it. It comes with QD uh, sling points on it. So you can put one on the rail, one goes in the stock. So it's ready to add optic and go in a very modern sense, because a lot of the other rifles we're uh, looking at are still like front sight post, flip up rear sight or fixed rear sight type situation. Or they're one of those weird ones because we went through a weird phase with ARs where we were just chopping the front sight post off and giving no application for a front sight on it, but you can mm -hmm. still have regular clamshell handguards. And that was a strange time. That was a strange decision. So, uh, well, yeah, but that's like, that's old school weird stuff. Like, you can find pictures of flat tops from like post Vietnam for certain, but I think there are a couple like, during vietnam flat tops that had the front sight post chopped to run optics on them um you know obviously the soy tan raiders are our first like mm -hmm. optics that we really saw but there were some other ones out there and definitely 32 bat and rhodesian volunteers mm -hmm. had flat top or carry handle optics on the gun which would remove the necessity for the front side post. I think it's I, I think it's interesting like what we did with the AR15 commercially for decades exploded mid gwatt. Mm, yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of my favorite favorite guns of all time, I think I think building clone guns is kind of weird, but if it's your vibe, it's your vibe. But Kyle Lamb's ar from when he was doing that thing that he does where he had a, a free float gas tube they had literally chopped out a section of the rail to put the front sight post back on it i remember that mm -hmm. um and the only way you could do that because it was a single piece free float rail was they had to pin the front sight gla gas block through the rail. They had to like line it up, pin it, and then mount the rail on the barrel and everything. Uh, AK, we asked some really, they, <laughs> there's some really weird armorers out there. there. There's some armorers that are in this freaky shit. Right. <clears throat> but Real freaky nasty. That became <laughs> the SOP mod style was to have this front sight post cut rail. Oh um, yeah, Dan so Daniel you get the long their, yeah, Daniel with got their mod that. two uh for the SOP mod system did that because the original mod one was the knight's rail, yeah. non-free-floated. But when the mod two dropped, there were two mod two rails, and one was because there was no reason to upgrade these M4s or M4A1s just because they had uh front sight gas block, has the gas block cut out. And then the other uh, was with low pro gas blocks. So it was a contiguous rail. I really liked that Centurion rail they came out with for the M4 that had the cutout in it for the front sight post to stick out of it. I am heavily considering getting the M16 Centurion rail and free floating my M16A4. Yes. Just be just yes. not like it, it's the last proposed upgrade they had for the M16A5. Uh, with the Marine Corps program is improved is adjustable stock improved buffer system and then free float the gun that's the only thing I haven't done I'm still for some reason just hanging on to the Knights rail 
for no particular reason and keeping this gun inaccurate. And I'm just, I have it open in three different browsers. I just keep looking at the Centurion rail, like add to cart. I will do that. Uh, so we've talked about like AR-15s, which is, as many people know, the mo- I think is the most boring rifle on earth. Um, and it's, it's everywhere. Everyone yeah. builds one. It's standard. And it's not, as we just went through, it's not hard to spend enough money to make it quality and then just check the parts that need to yeah. be checked. And you don't even is need to spend bolt that okay? much Is your barrel okay? Like, is your buffer okay? You can uh, you can be out the door, and if you don't want to do all of that stuff because you take AR-15s apart for your job and you find it tremendously boring, um, if you just want to go to the store and like buy one, you can literally go to the store and buy an AR and walk out for less than a G. You know, for the gun, you're going to spend at least half that again on an optic because optics have not gotten as much better. Like you're still yeah, looking... they have yeah, they okay, have. no, 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 no. Have. Yes. yes, they have gotten I'll, better. I'll, but I'll, I'll jump with Jack on this one. Your optics are in a much better place. Your four hundred. The problem is, it used to be that your four hundred dollar optic was trash. Now your four hundred dollar optic is good, but it's still four hundred dollars. So you're going to pay about half the price of your rifle for a good optic. So I, I'm going to still argue this with you because mm-hmm. I when I came up, it was aim point. Or nothing. Like I was from the school. I like how your I love how that your background actually took the right when you said or nothing out of frame when you said <laughs> yeah. nothing. It disappeared. It was perfect. uh I don't want to talk about how much this background cost me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um so it was aim point or nothing. And then a couple of guys got SMB short dots, and that was two thousand dollars for a one to four optic. Mm-hmm. Those those SMBs are amazing. If you've never looked through one, they have the clearest glass. But when right now I can go out and get a micro red dot for one hundred and fifty dollars with a lower one third mount. Wait, which which one's one hundred and fifty dollars with a lower one third mount? I'm gonna need you to name a brand because Holosun is more than one hundred fifty bucks now. No, four hundred three is pretty close to one fifty. If it's not 150, it's pretty darn close. 403. We're I'll put this shit to the if test. The, yeah, the if the inflation's gotten me, I'm sorry, but it's still 205 dollars. Okay, 205 dollars. It's still less than half the cost of the used EOTech, which is not as good. Right. Okay, fine. Hang on. I'll look up the one that I put on one of my guns, Vortex. And I can get the one the Vortex Strike Eagle line is amazing for the dollar amount all right so let's fine you won't have to spend near almost half the price of the rifle you'll have to spend a quarter of the price of a rifle right. let's say yeah you don't have to bucks. spend nothing you don't want to pick up the 60 dollar red dot to put At on Walmart. your 700 800 rifle yeah, right you don't you don't fair. want you don't want the plastic fold-out table gun show special red dot of questionable origin all right but getting getting into a good site is nowhere near because Jack's right. You had the aim point. Then there was the kind of aim point EOTech era where you could either have like a 553 or an aim point series optic. And then Bushnell had come along and was like, here's our $90 TRS-25. And that's the only option under $600. I remember the TRS-25 coming out and a guy coming to class with it on a Ultimac rail, Mm -hmm. which was the killer of cheap optics. And he ran that thing, and I was like, wow, that thing's holding up. He goes, yeah. And I was really impressed with it. 
And then on the last day when we were doing like a kind of higher round count drill, it fried. It just died. Yeah. And I was like, no, because like I, I had I, one. I had one on my original AK, but I had it on a Midwest Industries rail. So it was oh, yeah. and didn't get cooked. That thing lasted. Its battery life wasn't what we get out of today. It was only like 3,000 hours, which was amazing at the time. That was so the same as an Acro P1. But yeah. <laughs> that thing lasted for like six or seven years until I finally gave it to a guy who bought his first AK. And I'm like, ah, here, my first optic, now your first optic. And he's like, how much? How much I owe, and I go no charge, free. So free. all right, we've all right. Lord so I was wrong about free. optics. I fully accept that. Also, uh, I would like Jack to go ahead and I, I I really desperately wanted to work a reference to getting caught up in the vortex crossfire. That's one crossfire. Thank you. <laughs> God, you get caught up. In I the never had that crossfire. game, but the commercials were so. Fun good okay so I mean, oh my I, I, there's no way that that game could have been anything but a disappointment one, after one how amazing in detroit it rained it was snowing super hard when i was living up there and me and keith shared an apartment and our boss called us and was like yo it, you guys are going to lose power come sleep in my basement we're going to have power in a generator because we lived in a crappy apartment and we're like yeah <laughs> absolutely so we ran over there before the snow like really got bad and we're chilling in his basement, drinking bourbon, and we start like fiddling around in his kids' toys because they had like a bunch of like Nerf guns and stuff. There, there was everything, the, and the we, Nerf swords, dart launchers yeah. everywhere, and of course we're hooligans, and we're like, "Well, it's time for these two people over the age of thirty to play with these." So I found a no kidding crossfire game. And we played that for 40 minutes. <laughs> We're just like pounding bourbon and just like it and wasn't like we played a, the entire time. It wasn't like we played a couple of games. That was no, one no. game of Crossfire was 40 minutes, and it's just like uh <laughs> maybe I've been wrong about two things today. Maybe Crossfire is as fun as the commercials made. It is a hundred percent as fun if you're willing to be overly competitive. And drunk. And, and drunk. And kind of drunk. A All little right. drunk. Well, that makes sense. All right. So we have, I'm going to bring the show back on track. So we've talked about how most ARs are good. Let's talk about other 5.56 rifles because interestingly, you know, despite the fact that the Israeli military is getting rid of the Tabor, <laughs> got one in. I haven't done that for a while. Uh, there's also, okay, well, we'll, we'll do everything else first. So let's talk about bullpups. There's like, actually a decent number of non-shitty bullpups out there and you know as the world's greatest hater of bullpups uh i i like the tavor's good the friggin aug is still good because it was never not good uh well, and the, the austrians did a pretty good job building that thing yeah and i mean like honestly look the springfield hellion doesn't appear to suck guys it's it, it runs the the problem the Hellion has is the controls are goofy. The gun yes. itself runs because they were just like, hmm, the G36 action? Yes. The G36. When I saw when I saw it, I was like, that looks uncomfortable. And I went to the local gun store and I picked it up and I shouldered it and I was like, oh, that's it's still a bullpup, but it's not as uncomfortable as it looks. Uh we won't mention, you know, the other maker of five, five, six bullpups that also makes a shotgun that will blow your fingers off when the 
foregrip separates from the plastic rail. I, um, I, Florida man has entered the chat and look, is leaving. Look, they everyone, asked, everyone has purchased a gun from that company I, and wanted I it to be something. I purchased the uh, you may or may not have finger shotgun. I'll admit it. I purchased the this nine millimeter carbine fits in your briefcase. Okay, but that gun was legitimately that gun remains cool. It is when it works. It is not. It is not. It's not cool. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna be the one to burst the bubble. I, I, tra- uh, my buddy Travis loves that gun. Um, that's that's a sign right man. there. That's a yeah, sign right there. He is also a Florida man. Like it's his people. Like I've got to give him that. I. They do make one legitimately great gun. It's the one that's designed for as a pocket pistol and chambered in 32 ACP, not the 380. In 32, that gun makes absolute sense. Um, that's it. I will I will give them credit for the poor man's MP7. Yeah, that would that is pretty dope. The problem with that one is it it, it works half the time, if that. So, so it, it kind of works like an MP7. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> For that's, way that's less money for your disappointment. All right, but well, it, it's not that the MP7 doesn't work; it does mechanically function. It's just the people shot with it tend to be annoyed. You're right. All right, so <laughs> back to five, five, six rifles. What about? I, this is an area I, I fully know nothing about. Is AKs and five, five, six? Like, is that? Are we in a good time for that? Is it the, kind of a tough time to yes, be an AK the, guy the, right now? We, so, we have come a long way in five, five, six AKs. Um, I have a rifle dynamics that works absolutely phenomenally yeah, yeah it's with a freaking rifle dynamics yeah but my it, Porsche is it fast, starts guys. its life as just a thousand dollar arsenal like that's that's what it started as is a thousand dollar arsenal rifle and then they go and they were like woohoo tinkering stuff um so, but it it's just it's just an arsenal ak that they did a bunch of cool stuff to and if it had just remained an arsenal ak it would still have run really well and the the system is very very good the only thing i have to say is make sure you buy the steel lipped reinforced mags don't stick with the clear ones despite the fact that clear is fun and you can watch the bullets go away they will eventually crack those speed lips mm-hmm. uh in you got well, there jack well unfortunately it's going to be hard to see with the background and everything uh the ace the Ace Galil Gen 2 from IWI is the best 5.56 AK out there. Yes. Um, it doesn't look like a normal AK, but I promise you this is this is the AK that went to finishing school. Hmm. If if Russians had an actual military, which post-Ukraine, we can obviously tell they don't. Turns um, out. <laughs> how... As a sidebar, how irritating is it that we were like worried about getting uh, in a conventional war with these guys, and it turns out we would have absolutely mollywopped them? Somebody, somebody had the gall to say to me today, like, "What if we get? You know, they're going to force us into a war with Russia." I'm like, "Bro, obviously not that big of a deal." Yeah, right. <laughs> like, okay, what are we going to do in December then? Yeah, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that worried. <laughs> China got to stop talking all this trash if they want me to be concerned at all right now. Um, who who else was 
who else found it super hilarious, kind of the dynamic between China and Russia when Russia launched and China's like, all right, cool. This will give us this will give us like a preview of if we want to go back to Taiwan, then Ukraine just pushed Russia's shit in. And China's like, mm, got to play this close. Guys, this might not have been a best <laughs> ever. So, got to thread this needle real careful, guys. We can't back down because then we look like an absolute bitch. But... So you're telling me it is a good time to buy like a 5.56 AK. I would. So I I think if you want to buy a non AR, you should buy it in Mm 5.56 and your options for it are endless. You have the scar, you have the Bryn 2, which is completely forgot the scar existed. um, My favorite rifle. I just love that thing. Yeah. You've got the Bryn 2, which is like a scar, but it's not. Hey, um, did you guys hear Magpul's launching the Masada with their waffle maker? <laughs> Hurtful. Uh, um, we're, we're we're living in a really good time for post AR-15s and five five six two. There are a lot of there are a lot of clones of I call them clones of the AR-18, AR-180, um, because they use a very similar gas system, and the Scar is one of them. Um, the Bren is one of them. Uh, Jack's going down the list of them right now. Th- these are all turning out to be very solidly designed rifles too. So if you don't want an AR, there's nothing that says you need to buy an AR. It's also, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to this because this is one of the you know only five five six areas that I really have any expertise in outside of the military. It's also a really freaking good time to get a five five six bolt gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and I think what's happened. So you know I have the Ruger American Ranch, which I think is probably. In my opinion, this is probably like your best one on the market that until you start getting into like more custom guns, like hand built shit. But you've got you've got the Tika line from Beretta are all really good. Mossberg, the MVP guns, from what I understand, are strong. Savage is making guns. All of these like American manufacturers, not Tika, obviously, but like Mossberg, Savage, Ruger, all making guns chambered in 5.56 that work. And Mossberg and, um, Ruger obviously make ones that accept NATO or Stanag mag. So, you know, I have a little, you can, you can run a bolt gun with a 20 rounder yeah. if you wanted to, a 30 rounder in it, or if you really want to go crazy, throw a D60 in it. I don't care. So I've got a little like, five round hunting mag in there, you know, which is what for, you know, hunting purposes, but I got a stack full of twenties in my closet and I got a 30 rounder as well that, you know, I can put in there for shits and gigs. But I think what's happened and this isn't something that a lot of people talk about, but I think what's happened with 556 and 223 is the unbelievable popularity of the AR-15, right? Most popular rifle in America. There's like 25 million of them out there. The unbelievable popularity of the AR-15 platform drove backwards development for all of these other platforms, right? Because there were a gajillion ARs and, you know, a jillion rounds of 223 and 556 floating around on the commercial market. Companies that normally probably wouldn't have developed really like put time and effort into developing their 556 product were like, it's a lot of ammo floating around for this. And I bet you somebody who's already got an AR and a bunch of 556 ammo may want to shoot something else. Let's make a gun around that car. And like, yes, I'm sure lots of things already existed, but 
the fact that they're good instead of just throwing something together and being like, here's a five, five, six AK guys. It fucking Let, let's, works. let's give another shout out here into some, into a slightly different direction because the, the popularity of the AR 15 definitely drove it. The G watt popularity of that rifle specifically. And then a lot of the new generation rifles that started coming out with, with some of the gun culture 2.0 stuff, like the scar, like the ACR was supposed to be ended up not being, um, but let's, let's also take a look at the manufacturing side of things and how good we've gone at, how good we've gotten at rapid prototyping, thanks to both 3d printing for real world testing of just shaping and fitment and then computer aided drafting and, uh, 3d modeling. So we can go from, you know, concept of a rifle to an actual functional working rifle a lot faster than we ever could. And we can do it for a lot cheaper by cutting things down with like 3D printing and 3D prototyping uh, because you can print out the part, see if it's going to work before you put the time investment into the expensive version. And you can make all these quick, easy, simple changes so much faster and with so much less resources than we could way back in the day, like when they were trying to put the M1 carbon together and the thing broke in the 11th hour and they actually had to like make a bolt at the last possible second and drive it up to the trials, throw it in the gun and just pray to God it worked. The M1 carbon is still a great gun though. You know, it is. It's me otherwise. They, they made it work, but like that was an 11th hour win for them. <laughs> So uh, that kind of puts a bow on this episode. Uh, most ARs are good guys. Be smart with your money. I would like to just throw a special FU out to people who are snobs about their ARs because you guys suck. Um, especially like... Yeah, you're not as cool as you think you if are. I, if I don't see Krylon on your gun, if I don't see a bunch of carbon fouling on your gun, if I don't see messed up parts from where your gun has come in contact with hard surfaces... I don't give a fuck what your opinion is. Yeah, if you have like a brand new Cobalt Kinetics gun and it doesn't have any wear on it whatsoever, I your your, your opinion is irrelevant. And yeah. like, or, or and they're whoever, great guns. Whatever brand is the tactical yeah. brand of today, uh, it's going to. If you if you moment. have an opinion about why you should buy X brand, that's fine. That's it's okay. I just don't care about it, and neither do most people facts all right guys that is it for this week we will be back next week i'd like to thank everybody for liking sharing subscribing watching listening downloading uh forcing your friends to listen to this in car rides um which is i don't that's that's aggressive an aggressive choice i like it i'm into it and uh yeah we'll be back next week with another episode see you guys later